0: Shalom, friends. This is your Friendly Neighborhood podcast host, Jake Rubin. Welcome to MSU Hillel's The Weekly Kvetch. This podcast features news, interviews, and a whole lot of kvetching. So I'm excited for you to join me and my trusty producers, Sophie and Nate, as we dive deep into all things Jewish. Hello, and welcome back to the Weekly fetch. I remain your host, Jake Rubin, and alongside my producers, Sophie, Nate, and MSU Hillel, it is our pleasure to bring a very, very special guest this week, we have uh, the co host of the Unorthodox podcast and the writer at Tablet Magazine, Stephanie Butnick, here, a fellow podcaster. Welcome! Very Thank exciting. You.
1: Thank you for having me. This is a real thrill.
0: Of course. Uh, before we get started, we have a quick word from our sponsors. So uh, let's hear what our sponsors have to say. The weekly
2: Gefetch is sponsored by MSU Hillal, the place to be for more than 3,500 Jewish students at MSU. The Weekly Kfetch is also sponsored by the Torah. Five books in one. What a deal.
0: Thank you for our sponsors. It's always a pleasure to hear from you. All right. (laughs) right, And now we're going to move on to a section of our podcast. Uh, Let's give them something to kfetch about. Let's give them something.
2: Kfetch. Kfetch. Kfetch.
0: So uh, what are we kfetching about today, Sophie?
2: So it's the age old battle mm-hmm. of Midwest versus everyone else. Yeah. It is pop versus soda and other such words that are used in other circumstances. Other country, yeah. For another word. Like how in the UK they say chips for french fries, like right. that.
3: Right. That's so, yes.
2: Good and then like oh
0: go like <laughs> chips are crisp well uh, yeah. when i was in high school i did maccabi which are like the jewish olympics i did that all throughout high school i didn't do the, any sports i did arts fest which is like the which is like the performing arts kind of section of that and i made a lot of like friends from all over the country and somewhere from israel and we still talk in this group chat and every now and then somebody will say soda and then we'll just all come for them <laughs> you know me and a couple other people from michigan were like how dare you say soda it's pop what are you you know and then they're like it's soda and then somebody from texas is like it's coke it's all coke and i'm like what are you talking about it's Coke." <laughs> i'll take an orange coke please i'll take a. yeah that's that's what they say that's like it's it's weird it is weird
3: i will say though that like when i think about so if i'm communicating in a way that's like less social. So like more professional and I have to communicate about pop, which I call it. Um, I will say soda. So like I was posting on Instagram about like something like a healthy soda that I found. I'm not going to call it like a healthy pop. I will refer to it as a healthy soda. But then like if I, if I want something, if I want it, it's pop. Um, And I was born in Ohio and I did learn how to speak in Ohio, um, which as far as I'm concerned, is, like, the Deep South. Uh, And then the actual Deep South is, I don't know, basically, like, the future flood zone of the Gulf of Mexico, Uh, which is not funny, but, like, there are not very many people there. So, anyway, I think that in Ohio, actually, they do say soda sometimes. Um, So it's just, like, a cool Midwest thing, not, like, an all-Midwest thing. Yeah. That's right, Ohio. I said it. Anti-Ohio in this.
0: Podcast. What well, we're pro, we're pro love though, so that's that's where I struggle. <laughs> Anti Ohio, but pro
3: love. Uh, the one name I refuse to allow ever in my in my life in my environment is. Um, I've heard of it of people in different areas calling it fizz. I want to. I want to. Who a calls Fiz. it fizz? Fizz. There's some reason. There, it's like a, that's one of the things. It's like a name somewhere in the United it's States. A what? Fizz. If you're listening to this and you call pop fizz uh, change change your ways
2: yeah we here yeah. at the weekly fetch will shun you done. if you done. say done. the word fizz instead of pop or soda if, if you say even soda instead of fizz that's fine you know that's change mm-hmm. but if you say the word fizz uh uh-uh, mm-hmm. uh yeah. no no no
0: do you say like a Dr. Pepper fizz like a, a sprite <laughs> like a fizzy uh it's like Willy Wonka they have like the fizzy lifting drinks or whatever or the mm, yeah they fly up to the ceiling that's all I think about is you know, going no don't go to the fan Charlie you're going too high <laughs> <laughs> so if you drink a fizz you're gonna fly up to the ceiling and get chopped up by a ceiling fan so watch out
3: I did some brief, re- some brief research real quick, um, just in terms of geographic location with this, cause I think this is important. The facts are important. Um, so what, what I found is that based on a study done by, um, pop versus um, but it was published in, it was published in business insider. So it's real. Okay. Um, basically by and large, um, as we think about the South, um, So, New Mexico, Texas, Oklahoma, uh, Arkansas, or Arkansas, as you want to call it, Louisiana, Mississippi, Georgia, Alabama, Tennessee, and then, like, the top of Florida. So, like, truly kind of the whole south. They call it Coke. Okay? But Mm -hmm. in large urban centers, it's a toss-up between soda and Coke. Um, In the kind of, like, non-Chicago, Illinois area it's soda it's a very interesting pocket in the northeast it's soda midwest is pop except in most of indiana it's it's coke which is very weird and then because like midwest is best as it <laughs> spreads through through the dakotas and montana and you know everywhere even to like colorado and basically even in like washington and oregon it's still pop Interesting. Um, and then somehow soda exists in California, Las Vegas, because the rest of Nevada split, and then <laughs> Arizona. So very interestingly, like like these like kind of like the coasts have very different approaches, but the the heartland where America truly lives, um, not not population wise, but like spirit wise, mm-hmm. um, is really tossed. Uh, Tossed up, which is interesting. So, if you didn't, if you wanted the facts, there's the facts. But where did they say fizz? Fizz, (laughs) there's, um, there are some different options. Like, there's like other. Um, so I can tell you where they say fizz if that's included. Um, the some parts of Texas that touch Mexico. Um, some parts of northern Nevada. Um, some little pockets in Virginia, um, and the D.C. Maybe that's where it comes from, like the D.C. area.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: This is the longest. Uh, let's give them something to fetch about ever, but uh, it's important, very important. Yes. Oh, okay. Wait, so uh, linguists have noted other terms people from certain region regions use for soft drinks include tonic, Coca Cola, or fizz. Interesting.
2: Why would you use tonic in a non-alcoholic sense?
3: Because tonic water is non-alcoholic. Yeah,
2: but like, who is just gonna go drink tonic water?
3: Is that the one that's sweet?
2: Is tonic sweet?
3: I don't know. There's like, there's like five different kinds of like waters that you put in mixed drinks. Tonic,
2: club, Club
3: clubs are just not sweet. No, it's not. Just yeah whatever this is such a tangent but uh, it is i don't know this is very important for us Maybe to get to the point. bottom of yes. what do you say
0: let us know tell us
2: and if you say fizz unsubscribe
0: i'm just
3: kidding. keep that to yourself
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay so uh welcome stephanie thank you for coming it is our absolute pleasure to have you here uh so for those who are listening and may not know who you are uh Tell us a little bit about yourself and the things that you do and yeah just give us the synopsis
1: of course um so as you said my name is stephanie butnick i work at tablet magazine where i'm the deputy editor and i also for the last five years have co-hosted the podcast unorthodox which um we like to brag is the universe's leading jewish podcast we we say that because we're the number one jewish themed podcast on itunes now apple podcast but you know no one's, no one's really pushed back. I like to say the number one Jewish podcast, according to iTunes and God, um, that really has some nice heft. Um, so big shoes for, for you guys to fill on this show. Um, but Mm. we love some competition, which, which is great. So, so yeah, each week Unorthodox airs on Thursday, midnight Thursday. And each week we do the news of the Jews, which is a few stories from the news, the funny, the sad, the scary, the crazy. Um, a lot about Jewish food, like what's going on with bagels lately, who's cutting them what direction, things like that. Yeah. Um, and then each week we have a Jewish guest and a Gentile of the week. And the Gentile of the week gets to ask us a question that they've always wanted to know about Jews or Judaism, that they never felt like they could ask anyone. So we bring them a safe space where they can have that conversation with us. It's one of my favorite segments actually. And then we do Mazel Tov. So everyone gets to give a Mazel Tov. Um, so yeah, that's pretty much the, the basic structure of the show. It's pretty wild and wacky.
0: It sounds like a lot of fun. (laughs) I love the Gentile of the week. That's that's a really, really fun idea.
1: Honestly, we've gotten some really profound conversations there because a lot of the questions are sort of like, well, I was raised X and if I stopped going to church or stopped believing in God or Jesus, like there was just no place for me. He's like, but all my Jewish friends brag about how they just don't believe in God and they question everything, but they're deeply, proudly Jewish. And so a lot of Gentiles really uh, kind of like, they're a little jealous, I think, of this idea that like, wait, you can feel deeply and profoundly Jewish, go to synagogue, never um, say you're an atheist, but like always feel deeply and proudly Jewish. And then we're like, yeah, of course, that's the point. It's all about questioning.
0: It's the beauty of it. Uh, Yeah, that's pretty cool. (laughs) Uh, So in on these in these podcasts, you probably have lots of interesting guests and interesting stories. So what do you think are some big Jewish stories that you think are gonna happen in 2021? Like Some things that may pop up on your podcast or some, like if you could predict the future, what do you think are some big things that may be on our horizon?
1: Well, I feel like if we've learned anything from the past year is that trying to predict the future is just an exercise in futility. Um, if this time mm. last year you asked me what was going to happen in 2020, I certainly would I not have he's told the you second <laughs> that we would not that's be right. <laughs> our homes if we were lucky for the next, there next you year. Go. Um, you know, I'm really excited about John Ossoff. I think that's a big story for Jews. I think Douglas Emhoff, uh, Kamala Harris's husband. So the, I guess, he's the second man. Is that what he's called? The the what's the first? What's the, What's the vice president's spouse called? Second gentleman, sorry, yeah. second mensch, I think is what we're also calling him. Um, <laughs> uh-huh. People were really excited that Jerry Nadler brought a Zabar's bag to <laughs> to uh, to work on Capitol Hill. So I think there's gonna be like sort of some lighter political stuff. Um, mm-hmm. We obviously all, all saw the really scary uh, symbolism imagery um, that was, you know, on the backs and fronts of shirts of, of a lot of the riders at the Capitol a few weeks back. So I think there's going to be that. I'm, I'm curious about sort of the surge in sort of right-wing, militia style anti-Semitism, which is terrifying. So I think a lot of us would rather focus on, like, the Zabars and... Um, or the Zingerman, sorry, um, uh, and the, you know, and the, the first gentleman being, being Jewish and having Jewish kids. I mean, Kamala being called Mamala, like I think we're gonna all really lean into sort of like the more fun frothy thing. Joe Biden's kids all married Jews, I love that. Like this is, there's a lot of, there's a lot for like your uncle Myron to brag about in emails. <laughs> Either your uncle Myron or like Stormfront to send you like every member of Joe Biden's cabinet is Jewish. And you're like, did this come from my like very Jewish uncle or a neo-Nazi?
0: <laughs> well, speaking of neo-Nazis and this yeah. symbolism, I think that it, this is the time period that we're living in right now where there is is anti-Semitism everywhere. And you're, host, you're one of the hosts of a big Jewish podcast. So how does it feel to produce Jewish content with all this anti-Semitism going on in the world?
1: You know, something I've seen, um, I've worked at Tablet for the past 10 years, which um, in media time, media time is like, like a prehistoric era, right? That's like so long, but um, (laughs) I've really seen the trends. And I think what you saw, you know, when Trump was elected four years ago, I know we're not talking about him anymore, but people really were scared. And a lot of Jewish people all of a sudden, you know, Tablet was always sort of, you read the Times, you read the this, you read your local paper, and then you read Tablet for some like interesting Jewish culture coverage. But what we found was actually people were starting to come to Tablet right away saying, what do I what do I make of this news? What do I make of this story? how do how do how do I understand this as a Jewish person as opposed to just sort of a news consumer? So we really understood that things shifted for us as a magazine then because we became sort of more of a primary read for a lot of Jews who were scared about what was going on, um, or who had no idea what the Iran deal was or what it mattered that whether it, you know, was revoked or you know, there were people who just suddenly said, "I think I actually need to know more. And something I've learned with the podcast is that, People actually want to to feel Jewish right now. I think you guys understand that. I'm sure you see that on campus. You know, the more sort of stressful and scary things get. You know, ever since Pittsburgh, right, that really shattered the the really happy myth we were living in that America was just a deeply comfortable place for Jews. I think a lot of people your age, even people my age, I haven't been in college for like let's say 11 years, um, maybe 12. I don't know. Um, I never knew a world of anti-Semitism, but now we sort of live in one, and it's really really scary. So I think the the thing that I've actually seen is more people want to listen to a jewish podcast more people want to you know as as you you guys say do jewish i mean some, more people want to have a shabbat dinner during pandemic because like they they just are so freaked out by what's happening in the world so i've actually been really moved um, by what i've seen on the ground and anecdotally about jews young and old really just want more jewishness and obviously that you can't go to synagogue right now you can't do the things you would normally do um, so what you do is you do a Zoom Shabbat. I know families who have done Zoom Shabbats this whole time during the pandemic, never did Shabbat before, right? They do it with their entire families across the country, across the world. And that's amazing. Um, that just seems like something that I, I'm sure will last after this. I don't know what your question was, I don't remember. But I think what I've seen is that people want, people want to be proud of being Jewish. They want things to be proud of. And whether that's Douglas M. Hoff's kids, you know, like wh- whatever it is, I think people really, were really grasping for things.
0: That was a very good answer.
1: <laughs> Considering I don't remember the question. Yeah, no, no, thank no, no, you.
0: Okay. Uh, no, it was, it, I think it went above and beyond. And I think that just understanding that the time period that we're in, people still do want to be connected to Judaism. And I think like we're doing it in our own way. And just like the big Yom Kippur, uh, like that video that all those celebrities were in and they're like singing and uh, not Yom Kippur, Passover. This was like right at the height the Saturday of- Saturday night
1: Seder, right? Yeah,
0: Saturday night Seder. So it was it's amazing. Just, like, Whatever we can do to kind of re still feel connected. And I think that there's some really interesting ways. So I have a question for you. For me,
1: like what do you notice? I mean, I'm not on college campuses, but I think that I think that it is really a bellwether. I mean, have you noticed that since being remote? I mean, you guys are doing a podcast. That's amazing, right? That's something Mm -hmm. you can do regardless of whether you're on campus, in class, off, you know, that's a way to stay connected. Have you noticed that same shift into sort of like more creative ways to to connect?
0: That's a really good question.
1: You didn't think it, you thought you were asking all the questions today. Yeah,
0: I did. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you turned it right on me. Uh, I think that I've definitely noticed uh, just within uh, just classes and things, I've noticed that there are, we're still, there's so many different creative outlets. Like for one, I'm on an improv team. Uh, We never thought that we'd be doing Zoom improv, but uh, we've been doing Zoom improv. And so it's just like, whatever we can still feel connected, whatever kind of brings a sense of normalcy to our lives, I think is just, the biggest thing is just not feeling disconnected is the hardest thing. We've never been more connected than ever, but at the same time we've never been more disconnected at the same exact time because it's just like we can reach everybody, but it's just not actually being able to reach them. It's just like it's it's the it's the it's humanity. And you know, classes like classes, they're not they're not zoom zoom classes are not sustainable and it's not conducive to actually learning, I found. And teachers, professors are trying. Some of them are really, really trying, and some of them they're not trying as hard. And it's just, it's, it's just we want we want this to work so badly. We, we want to pretend everything is the same, but it just isn't. And then, like with Hillel, there's so many different opportunities within Hillel itself. Uh, there are there are different fellowships. I did a Jewish learning fellowship with one of the rabbis here, and we study the Torah portion over Zoom, and it's still I still felt connected, and I still made friends, and we still maintain the sense of Jewishness, even though we are online. And this podcast, I mean, this podcast is working great uh, with the fact that it's Zoom and we're able to have guests such as yourself Amazing. here who don't have to be in Michigan, who don't have to like come all the way down. And it it's good. I, it's just, it's what you make of it, I think. And I think some people are really jumping in head first And some people aren't. And so that's a long answer to your question. But, no, I mean, it's, uh, so, it's so
1: interesting because, you know, when I think of college, college is collaboration. It's just like exactly. sitting around, it's what happens between classes, right? Like, or, mm-hmm. you know, in the hallways, um, in the dorm rooms, in the common areas. And so I don't know. I mean, I, I think a lot about Passover and the panic that everyone felt. Like, what am I going to do? I always eat my Bubbies chopped liver. How am I going to deal? Like, how is it going to be Passover without that? Or I always go home or I always go to Hillel. I mean, what I was so moved by was the idea that like so many millions of more satyrs were happening because everyone that was really when you could not go anywhere. Um, and so <laughs> I had a Seder, in my apartment for the first time, I always, you know, go, I'm lucky enough to live near my, my parents and my in-laws and my Sister, you know all these people. I've never had to do things on my own, and I did like a little seder with my husband and my cat, and it was amazing. And I felt like, oh, I actually can can take ownership of this. And so I think that college students are sort of uniquely poised to really be creative, right? Because you're already away from home, you already are sort of like DIYing a lot. You know, I I went to to Duke for undergrad, and I went back there a few years ago, and someone I was doing an event with the Hillel there, and someone told me about an Ariana Grande Seder they were having. Um, and like each of the, the they were, all the songs were themes. And I was like, that is so cool. You would never get to do an Ariana Grande Seder if you were like any older, right? like if you had to like go to your parents' house or like host, you know, like you can't do an Ariana Grande Seder. I forget what the the big pun was. Was it like, thank you next or something like that? I think it was like, thank you next year in Jerusalem. Yeah. Wow. yeah. Yes. Thank <laughs> yeah, you. Like thank you, Sophie. I needed, I needed like a little bit to get there. That's what <laughs> I, you know what I thought it was. I didn't even know what it was, but you know, that just sounds like what when it would have been. But if <laughs> you're 18, 19, that makes, that's cool. That makes Passover like something you can actually like sing along to and connect with in a, in yeah. an, in a bigger way.
0: Well, uh, speaking of connecting, you've had some pretty interesting guests on your podcast. Uh, so, I mean, just like I, I too many too many for me to think about right now. But uh, what, what are some guests that may stand out to you that you've connected with, and uh, and and what and what makes a guest a good guest? Like, what makes somebody easy to interview, or how 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 are some better than others?
1: You know, it's really really interesting. Um, I think what makes a good guest is someone who like has a sense of humor, both in general and about themselves. You know, on our episode that airs tomorrow, we it's it's a sort of a live show. We recorded virtually with a synagogue in Pennsylvania, and our special guests were Jamie Stelter and Brian Stelter. So Jamie Stelter is a traffic reporter on New York One, which is the local station in New York City. Brian is the host of Reliable Sources on CNN. They're like a a couple you see on TV, basically, uh, and they were hilarious and this was her home synagogue. So she, and her parents, you know, it was just really, really fun. She got bought mitzvah there and they were so funny and they didn't need to be right. Like they could have been like, oh, we're, you know I'm on CNN, I'm not gonna like joke with you about which of us drives. Cause one of us is a traffic reporter and how, you know like the backseat drive, like they were so funny and and you I I like them so much more. I mean, I really, you know, I admired both of them. But when you realize, oh my God, you're funny. Like you can laugh about all of this stuff. You can talk about what it felt like when you first, you had a Christmas tree because Brian was raised, he was actually raised United Methodist. And he, and like the first, she talked about her first Christmas. Now she's like, oh, I love having Christmas tree. And the kids are being raised Jewish. And you sort of want someone who is open about all of that stuff. It's hard to know in advance, right? We do pre-interviews. And, you know, the thing we have trouble with is, we really liked, you know, there's so much amazing work going on in the Jewish community and these Jewish organizations. And there's one that does this, and there's one that does that. And all of them are amazing. Not all of them are like have founders or or directors that are like kind of fun to talk about because they're used to talking to like board don't donors or boards or participants. And you're like, no, 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 just like I don't want the party line. I want to know like why you got into this. And they're like, well, that's because the environment is important like something like that i'm like no i know the environment so this is just a made-up example but like i know the environment's important like tell me something that actually is interesting so don't i mean that's that's sort of we've had a little bit of trouble with that um so that's i mean it has to be someone who doesn't just like toe the party line whatever it is you know some writers are great writers and write great books are not that interesting to talk about their books because that's not what they do right you know that's what they have to do now because it's you have to promote and be on a book tour but they're not famous because they are good at talking about their books they're famous because they're writing about they're good at writing books so that's been that's been interesting um you know the gentile of the week i was really uncomfortable about that at first i was like what is who's gonna want to do that but what we actually got were people who were sort of like invested in jewishness in some way either they you know work in media in New York and every, and, you know, they're the only, like all their Jewish colleagues cover them on Christmas or something like that. Or, you know, they sort of are engaged with Jewishness or their spouses of Jews, which are really interesting. You know, one of our first guests was Catherine Hahn, who plays Rabbi Raquel on Transparent. And she always plays Jewish characters. She's in all of Jill Soloway's stuff. Like she's plays Jewish characters and she's not Jewish. I think she's married to a Jewish guy probably, but like, I think it was a while ago. And her question for us was like, who was the first female rabbi in Judaism? And we were like, oh, Regina, jo-, like, you know, you could say like Regina Jones, the first mm-hmm. you know, that I, I, I hope I'm not getting that wrong. I think that was that was, I think that she was. But um, that's her name. But that was great. You're like, oh, you're not Jewish. Everyone thinks you are. You play one on TV. What is it like? And she it was really fun. And she was smart and funny. And again, like open to all the, the weirdness of, of that of that, you know, situation
0: really really cool especially just because you know just reading a guest's name on like paper they might seem one-dimensional like a news host but yeah these are like real people and they're funny and they have like actual experiences and I think that that's really just really interesting
1: who's your who's your best guest besides me um I don't want to offend
2: anyone but I, I have a tie between two um my favorite guests have been Tess Komen and Libby Walker. Those are my. Those have been my favorites. What
0: about you, Jake? Come clean. Was probably. Uh, I really liked Rabbi Jeff, who we just had. Rabbi Jeff was week. good. Yeah. He was. He was really, really interesting, and the work that he's been doing has been really, really cool. And he's a really fun guy you know, when, when you hear rabbi, you don't, you don't think like a really like personal exactly. type of person. And yeah. I was really surprised that we had an actual, we had a real conversation and he was really fun and interesting. And if you're listening to this right now and you haven't listened to our podcast with rabbi Jeff that we did last week, listen, listen to that to one. I mean,
1: rabbis <laughs> are really interesting, right? Cause their job is to stand at the thing and sort of like come on high from on high with their message and of actually you know the really great rabbis are the ones who you sit down with you and have these amazing conversations and that's what you capture on the podcast right that's the same idea when those one-on-one encounters you have not the high holidays sermon right that's sort of something different
0: exactly but
1: yeah cool rabbis are great cool more of them
0: very fresh and <laughs> <Love
1: that.
0: Cool laughs> rabbi. Uh, not a regular uh,
1: so- rabbi they're a cool rabbi cool yeah. rabbi
0: all, all rabbis are cool rabbis except for the uncool ones yeah <laughs> exactly uh uh so it's it's the new year is there any anything you're looking forward to on the unorthodox podcast coming up uh are you just do you, have, do you like are you looking forward to anything any special guests that you're looking forward to having any insider information we can get or uh... yeah let me
1: see we have some big guests booked which is really really exciting again yeah. like you guys know i mean doing this on zoom is actually nice it's Mm -hmm. you can get anyone anywhere it doesn't matter what part of the world i mean a lot of people like we've gotten guests who i think are just like not busy anymore we were all watching high fidelity so we wanted to get nick hornby who is like he was our gentile of the week from london he was like Okay, I'll talk to them. Cornby, <laughs> like, awesome. like you're famous, you are like a legitimate famous person, and I, we're just like a Jewish podcast who reaches out. So, I think that's what I've learned. I mean, that's what you guys should do too, right? Like, aim high. If you're asking for a half hour of someone's time it's for a hillel, like what kind of monster says no to that? You know, exactly. um, really <laughs> lay on the guilt. Um, but you know, we have that. We're also working on a book club because a lot of we have a lot of writers on the show, Ooh. a lot of people who are reading books that are from our show, and so we're, so we're sort of trying to figure out like what if we tell you a month in advance, this is the book we're reading, let's, why don't you all read it, send us questions, like, let's just do something to be a little bit more more interactive. I mean, we were, we had a book come out, uh, I don't remember when, October of 2019, called The newest Jewish Encyclopedia, Um, and we were on the road for that when, when COVID hit, and so what we were doing was a combination of live shows or book events, and we were in, like, 25 cities um, for the book tour before, before the pandemic hit, and it was really amazing to, meet people, meet people who listen to the podcast, who had never heard of it, whose friends dragged them to the live show. You know, we did an event in Detroit. We got to drive to Zingerman's the next day. We did uh, yeah. an interview with Ari, who, Ari, the guy who founded Zingerman's, all about just like his business philosophy. It's, you don't get to do that um over Zoom, which I really, really miss. So we're trying to figure out more ways to basically interact with listeners. We have a really active Facebook group. It's called an Orthodox Podcast. You have to apply to get in. You just have to like show that you're not a bot and that you don't, that you know that our show is not unorthodox the netflix show because a lot of people were confused when that happened uh. <laughs> but yeah we're really just trying to find ways to connect with people just like you guys are right like exactly. trying to find ways to connect with people now that we can't get together you know we did this thing last january that we thought was going to be like a thing which was shabbat dinners and we got a spot in new york city and we had invite we like did a raffle we are like 25 people you guys can come to dinner we'll just like chit chat right we'll do a shabbat dinner and we thought oh, this is great. We're going to do this in all these cities. Every time we have an event, we're going to come early and do a Shabbat. Obviously that did not happen. So we're trying to sort of replicate that online.
0: Well, uh, we have one, one, one final question before we move in, move on to our next fun segment. Uh, do you have any advice for any Jewish college students or any podcast enthusiasts or any wise words of wisdom you can uh, give to any listener who, who may need to hear some
1: I mean, yes, I do. It's just do it, right? It is. You guys made a podcast. You're sitting in what appears to be your dorm rooms, right? Yeah. You have the, You all you need is a mic. You don't even really need a mic. You could do it on your iPhone. You need like a tiny bit of editing software, right? A friend who edits. I mean, we did um, something over the summer, which was a high school. Uh, it was through, I think it was through some camp, actually. I honestly can't remember anything about the summer, but it was a bunch of kids who who were interested in podcasts and we were like, okay, we'll do six sessions. And we taught them how to sort of use some equipment. We taught them what to do. A lot, few of them already had their own podcast. We taught them how to do a good interview, what to like, you know, just interviewing your grandparents. That's actually really interesting, right? You don't know your grandparents' story. Ask them what, what their lives were like before they had grandkids, right? They, they definitely had lives before, um before you knew them. And so really trying to encourage people. And then at the end, they all just like submitted their podcasts. Podcast that they made and that was to me proof that it is it is really easy when I was in college I remember I really wanted to be into to be in journalism but I, like, I missed the boat on getting involved in the newspaper it's like you had to get involved like first week of freshman year it felt like and I wanted to get an internship at like a local paper but that was really like it was really hard it wasn't like you could just like start a blog and suddenly send it to an editor of a magazine and say hey I may not have published clips but here I've been writing I've been covering movies and music in my college town and here I just did it on my website right I think it's actually so much easier to just get things out there start a podcast start a blog I mean this sounds really simple but all people want to see is like how you write right like all people want to see is like are you is this a good podcast I mean and that's what gets you out there and so I think you know instead of saying like I need three clips from published, but you know just do it yourself and and, and that will actually really impress people right that will impress editors and people who are hiring um just that you're like oh i you know this semester i took five classes and also did this thing on the side that was totally mine
0: well uh well unfortunately that was our last question that we have just for the interview segment but don't go anywhere we still have uh we still have some more fun things coming up okay and now we're gonna move on to my favorite part of the podcast the bit where i rant about something so uh this week is a surprise topic for both sophie and nate so i'll let me just paint the picture right I'm sitting at, in my apartment complex. I go, mm, mm, mm I want some yum-yums. So what do I do? I go into my cupboard and I find brownie mix. So I'm like, heck yeah, brownie mix. Actually it's cookie, like cookie dough. So I I'm put together the cookie dough. I put it in the oven. I open up the oven. I look at the cookie dough, cookie dough uncooked. I go, oh no, my cookie dough is not cooked. But instead of freaking out, I go, wait, I think I discovered something. I ate the cookie dough raw, baby. So I've been eating raw cookie dough for the past, <laughs> for the past couple of weeks. It's not healthy. You could get salmonella, do not do this. But now every time I cook, I've been leaving, I've been taking it out five minutes early, earlier than the directions tell me to. And it's so good. And I think it's terrible for me. But here's the thing, I get, I'm getting mad when people tell me, cause here's the thing. I'd rather have my cookies soft and gooey and yummy Then crunchy and and hard, but why have it soft and gooey and crunchy if it's not going to always turn out that way? Only way to guarantee it is to not cook it all the way. So I was I've been rewatching all the Marvel Marvel movies, and so I rewatched Infinity War last night or the other night as I was eating my raw cookie dough, and it's perfect. I put fish food ice cream, Ben and Jerry's, the best ice cream flavor, fish food. Yes. I had fish food, raw cookie dough, and it was yum, yum, yums. So here's what I'm ranting about. I haven't actually gotten the rant. Why are instructions so weird when you're cooking things? It's so complicated. I've been making Gigi Hitty spicy pasta for the last couple of weeks. And it's, it's, a, it's a struggle to figure out what the heck they want me to do. And so I've just been kind of improvising a little bit. They tell me to add water. I say, you don't tell me what to do. And then my recipes don't turn out the right way. I made rice the other night. Too much water in the rice. I couldn't find the recipe for how much water to put in the rice or how many cups. It's like one to one, I think, but I did one to two. And then my wife, it was like water rice. It was not good. And then I made fried rice and I improvised the fried rice. And it just tasted like water and soy sauce. And now I'm mad because I don't, I can't cook anything except for frozen chicken. And my oven's gross, because there's some some plastic melted in the oven. Now, every time we turn on the oven, it smells like the apartment's about to blow up. So now the thing is, is that the moral of my story is that cooking Cooking is hard, and I've been struggling lately, and why clean? Why do you clean? You know how much easier it would be if you could just throw out the kitchen, just like you're down like a disposable kitchen. You're like, oh, I'm done with the kitchen. In the trash it goes. Wow. Any, any cooking input from either of you?
3: I was listening. I, this is funny that you say that. I was listening yeah. to a podcast today, um, and they one of the people, the person that they were interviewing, like the main interview, yeah. was um, a bone, a former Bon Appetit uh chef and i'm a huge fan of hers and i have mm-hmm. her cookbook and it's amazing her name's claire Saffitz. she's the you know a Wait, true claire doesn't
2: work for bon-, bon appetit anymore
3: no and we'll have to make that a separate uh conversation because oh, i have be a devastated. lot of thoughts.
2: and she probably know. already knows she's probably devastated
3: no no i cried about it for sure but um, the host said basically like if it wasn't for having to do dishes i would be one of the greatest chefs of all time and i believe that like if i didn't i th- that sometimes i don't want to cook it's not laziness of like actually cooking things it's laziness of doing dishes so like forget about dishes i hate them like i would like to hire a service to come in and do my dishes and then i can cook whatever i want i think it's a real
0: problem because i always dread it as i'm cooking i'm like oh this is like this is gonna stick and this is gonna take me a long time to wipe out and it's like when the, the cooking takes like an hour the cleaning takes like an hour and the eating takes 10 minutes. It's like, come on. <laughs> that's why you got to clean as you cook.
2: That's the one thing that's, that um, I've started doing. That's
3: so much work. It's
2: so much work. work, but like you thank yourself at the end for it. Like when you're <laughs> done using something and you know you're done using something and like something else is just, you know, cooking, you have some time on it, just clean it. I wish I
0: had enough lot to do. It's that. easy. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, yeah, In summer. Cooking hard. Why clean when when cook hard? Eat fast. Cook hard. Clean hard. Throw out everything.
3: Live fresh.
0: Live fresh. Subway.
3: Uh, Just no, about
0: that. to say. <laughs> live fresh. Live vicariously. Live beautiful. Cover. Live girl. moss. Live moss. Live moss. Camp moss.
3: <laughs> Lee traffic.
0: it all comes around full circle (laughs) weekly
3: kvetch (laughs) well now we have the sillies the sillies sponsored by the weekly kvetch. all
0: right uh yeah and uh and that was my rant of the week about cooking uh moral of the story don't cook anything ever just go and blow out you know support your local business we have a quick 20-second Torah portion from our rabbi, Rabbi Jenna. Let's hear it.
2: It's time for 20-second Torah. Hi, I'm
1: Rabbi Jenna Stein-Turo, and this is 20-second Torah. This week's Parsha is Bo, the climax of the Passover story, when the Israelites are finally free to leave Egypt. When they leave, a mixed multitude of people, in Hebrew, an Arab Rav, goes with them. The Israelites included and welcomed others who were oppressed, just as today's Jewish community allies with other marginalized groups. This is an early example of a Jewish value that has grown stronger over time. When we are free, we want everyone to be free with us.
0: Thank you for the Torah portion. This was a great portion. I It always is. Thank you, Rabbi Jana. Always a pleasure. Uh, so now we're going on to Nate's favorite section of the podcast, which is the L'chaim of the Week. So in this part, we uh, will give a lechaim to something in the coming week that we're looking forward to, something in the coming week that uh, that is just something that we just want to give a shout out to. Uh, I'll go first. I'm looking forward to uh, the weekend. As uh, Rebecca Black said, I think that it's going to be a very good weekend. I'm going to be uh, Zooming my friends who haven't seen in a little bit. And we're going to have like a little wine night and it's going to be very nice and School's already stressful. I've been in school for a day and a half and I'm already very stressed and I need this wine night. So I'm very looking forward to my wine night. Uh, what about you, Sophie?
2: Um, I guess just the weekend too. I don't know. I yeah. feel like that's, the weekend's always good. I don't know. I'll, maybe I'll get some Chipotle. Who knows?
0: Chipotle <laughs> last night. They put too much sour cream in it too much sour cream. I said give me sour cream and they went buff, buff, buff. and I'm like, "Oh my goodness."
2: <laughs> so you got you either no sour
0: cream or you got to get it on the side. I'm never getting sour cream in it again. That's it. <laughs> I mean. It ruined
3: well, it forever.
0: <laughs> yeah, they did. And then Nate, what about you?
3: Um there's a lot to celebrate. Um I am very excited for our first MSU Hillel in-person program that is uh, we're recording this on a Wednesday so it's tomorrow on Thursday so if you're listening to this on Friday you missed it but or maybe you were <laughs> there um but it's our first in-person event in almost four months so right. it's really exciting to like have it and do it and it'll be outside and everyone will be bundled up but that's great
0: that's super exciting and then Stephanie what about you
1: I love this Allah of the week I might steal this would you mind i would give you full credit
3: please go ahead sure.
1: <laughs> I like it I like it. Um, So this is really exciting for me being on this podcast. I'm also doing another Hillel event with uh, Miami University um, in Ohio next week. It's on Wednesday, I think the 26th. And it's like a Women Crush Wednesday event. And I am part of it. I'm I'm their crush. And so I'm pretty excited about that. So I'm on, I guess I'm on the Hillel circuit this week. So that's pretty, I mean, that's worth a L'Chaim. Because that's when I really would, you know, L'Chaim a lot. Definitely. (laughs) If you know what I
0: mean. Oh, I know what you mean.
1: And I'm talking about underage drinking. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we here at the Weekly Fetch do not condone underage drinking. But if you do, we'll turn our heads.
3: <laughs> and also, like, you're 18, you do what you want. Exactly. Um, exactly. And and But just make a am right after. Make look or high. before. There you go.
0: God won't.
2: Or you can wait until you're 21, but that's probably not going to happen but all of us here at the weekly Kvetch are over the age of 21 or 21. So we can lechayim all we We, want.
0: We'll do it it for you. (laughs) Well, uh, Stephanie, thank you for stopping by and spending like a half an hour with us. It was an absolute pleasure. Uh, Before you go, do you want to give uh, your uh, social medias and plug the podcast, plug anything you might want to plug in case people don't know about you and they don't, and they don't know how to find the podcast or they don't, they want to learn more. I would love
1: to plug uh, the podcast yeah. is unorthodox. You can find it wherever you are listening to this amazing podcast or, um, on tablet at tabletmag.com unorthodox. I'm primarily on Instagram, uh, at S butnik S B U T N I C K. Um, follow me, DM me. That's how I got on this podcast. So <laughs> I do reply. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's pretty much all I got. Are there mm-hmm. any, I think there are other social media, but I'm forgetting what they are. I'm too old to be on them.
0: you got the big ones the ones that matter well uh well thank you it was our absolute pleasure to have you on here thank you for spending a little bit of your wednesday with us uh this has been the weekly fetch uh we hope you have a good day bye love you goodbye the end bye and that's our show. Thanks for Kvetching with us this week. Make sure to subscribe to our podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Leave us a review and call a friend to tell them you love them. The Weekly Kvetch is hosted by me, Jake Rubin, and our executive producers are Sophie Dwoskin and Nate Strauss. This podcast is a production of MSU Hillel. Yalla bye, my friends. Theme music produced by Peter Cooley.